Hey friends, welcome to the Pure Encouragement Podcast. My name is Gary Steffes, your host. I am so excited you're joining today for the 38th podcast that we have put together. We are so honored to get to chase Jesus alongside you. And our mission at Pure Encouragement is to train competitors for Christ who are equipped to compete with excellence and make an eternal impact. The niches that we really focus on are confidence and soul care. And today's talk is going to be all about that, a confidence and soul care talk to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. I've invited two of my closest buddies to join me today in this conversation. There are guys that I've had on this podcast in the past, Brad Newberg. Uh, he's an incredible brother that absolutely loves Jesus. He's a marketplace missionary. He runs the Trinity Safety Company as the VP of their operations, and he serves on multiple boards of nonprofits and especially influencers in Bakersfield, California, where they are just sharing Jesus across that entire and state, and he has been one of the most impactful men in my life and walk with Jesus. And alongside him is a man named Josh Shirley, who is a new staff member to Influencers Bakersfield. He's a man that is absolutely abiding in Jesus and probably one of the most encouraging brothers to just soul care and, and love on others. And this guy pours into me uh, as much as anybody, uh, just building me up. He's an armor bearer in my life. I love this man and wouldn't be where I am today without him or Brad. Uh, and so I consider these guys, two members of my lion pack. And for all of you out there that want to live a confident, victorious life in Christ, I encourage you, you need brothers. You need a lion pack to run with. And so these guys are incredible brothers. I'm so thankful to have them on. And today we are going to talk about living a victorious, confident walk with Jesus Christ. And hopefully today builds you up. So man, thank you for getting on today. Welcome to the Pure Encouragement Podcast. Gary, for me, this is Brad. I just want to say Man, what a blessing this is to be able to um, glorify our King alongside both of you uh, through this medium, through uh, the ministry that God has placed upon your heart, Gary, to fan the flame as God has set your face and your life on fire. Uh, to be able to just come alongside that in any way possible is an absolute gift from God. So I'm just excited, man, to geek out uh, through this podcast as we normally do in person, to be able to do it so others can see how we... Uh, how we get a chance to just enjoy God in and through each other uh, in fellowship. Yeah, love you, Gary. I'm excited to be a part of this. Come on, man. We're going to have a great time today, guys. And so what we're going to talk about today uh, really has been this huge message within our peer encouragement community, uh, which comes out of the verse Mark 1230 that says to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. And we have been talking with our community a ton about what it's like to live an inside-out life with Jesus. Our love relationship with Jesus is an inside-out endeavor. He wants our heart first, and then from our heart, He wants our soul, which is our emotion. He wants our will fully surrendered to Him, and then He wants our mind. He wants us thinking truth and chasing after Him, taking thoughts captive. And then he wants our strength. He wants us to, to give and to serve and to go. But for me, so much of my life was actually flipped. It was a, a reverse order. I love the Lord with all my strength first, then my mind, then my soul, and then my heart. And so this whole discussion, I can trace back to a Yosemite trip that we had where we were in the middle of the mountains, and we just had this huge discovery. So Brad, I'm going to toss it to you. Will you bring people insight? What did that look like for us as we were walking through Yosemite? How did this whole conversation start and take off? Yeah. Uh, so 
man, it was a special setting. You guys can imagine we're in God's creation. We were a couple of days into a, a men's fellowship kind of backpacking trip. And the whole time, just really asking God to use that time to, to speak to our hearts, to reveal to the Holy Spirit, the things he wanted us to, to know. Well, one of the main topics on our heart during that time is that we were we were sharing about how often men come up to us and say, like, what's the secret? What is it that you have found? And what is this algorithm or what is this formula that I must do in order to be able to experience this? this inside out or this intimate relationship that you found with God. And like, what's the, what scripture do I need to read? And what, you know, what Bible study do I need to do? And what process, you know, must I follow and in, in to do this? And, and I remember, you know, walking with you and Josh and just also grieving how many um, when given the, the simplicity of the answer had still fallen away because God answered the question and he answered it in, in Mark 12, uh, 30. You know, ultimately, if you want to find this deep, intimate relationship with the Lord, if you want to find this inside out, if you want to find this victorious, confidence life, confident life, it's through loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. And so we were almost, uh, I don't want to say laughing, but we were kind of joking, like how simple God had made it for us if we would just simply engage this. And then as we were saying these truths to one another, affirming one another, that it is through this wholeheartedness of seeking the Lord and loving the Lord with all your heart that you find the freedom. We started to realize as we shared the scripture to one another, like, Hey, God's a God of order. Is there potentially a reason why it's put in this sequence? Um, and instantly it wasn't, but about a second after even the thought of it, that I turned to Josh and I said, the order matters. Hmm. And the order matters because as you look at it, like Gary, you had said just a moment ago, so much of the, of, of many believers walk with the Lord is trying to love him with all their strength. Mm -hmm. And each of us instantly looked at each other. I think it was Josh that said, I've been flipping it mm -hmm. and I've been flipping it my whole life. And, and our answer yet to these, these men, you know, or others that men and women that had come into our life and asked, like, what have you found recently? That's, you know, what is it that is so special? Well, we started to realize that it was, we had been pursuing loving God with all of our heart for some time. And we've been doing that together as brothers. And we've been experiencing the victory that came through that. And so as we started to unpack it, you, you really uh, just hearkened into it a little bit all the more is that there was not just that it started with the heart, but that the sequence was a crescendo that, and the more and more we dove into it is that the very next being the soul was predicated on first and foremost, the heart. And then therefore the, then the mind was predicated on the condition of the soul, which was then predicated on the condition of the heart. And then lastly, that the strength would not be possible had the soul, the mind and the soul and the heart been in sequence prepared by God. And all of it being um, what I was talking about was a crescendo. Yeah, so for me, um, it's it just, I, I, I can't talk about this without going through 2019 when God finally captured my heart. And it was through this experience of his love for me. And that's when it all of a sudden became this relationship. Because for so much of my life, like I was sharing with Gary and Brad, my whole life, which had I've been raised in the church and served in the church and did a lot of things uh, for God. It was out of my strength and it was what I knew that I ought to do and what I should do. But ultimately going out of my own strength led me to weariness, being tired and, and failing 
over and over and over again. And then in 2019, when God finally got a hold of my heart, it was through the bedrock of grace. When I finally realized that the missing part of my life was his love for me. And the scripture in in First John where it talks about we love God because he first loved us finally resonated. And that's when the inside out uh, pursuit started for me in 2019 was when I finally got to experience God's love for me. And then my love became a response to him. <laughs> There's so much that we could take this and discuss. I can resonate with you. And I'm immediately thinking about Isaiah 40, where he says that the Lord gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall grow faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This, for me, is a perfect picture of everything you're alluding to there, Josh. You're you're walking in all your strength. You're fighting to do things for God, for the Lord. You're, you're fighting to be disciplined. You're fighting to uh, attack this Christian life with this Olympic-level mentality and attitude. And you're fighting to be a great Christian, but in it, you're, you're fighting sin that is so hard to overcome in your own strength that you're ending up exhausted. You're ending up discouraged. You're ending up feeling guilty in the fight. And, and you're just living this, this fight to be a great Christian, but this internal battle to overcome. So you're exhausted internally. You're one of these guys. And I was one of these guys that was young and exhausted that had a, a desire to honor God, but a, a, I was fighting it in the wrong way. And so this victorious, confident life, I yearned for it. I wanted it. But I struggled to have it because I was fighting and pursuing it in the wrong way. And so you have this eye-opening experience with God's radical grace and what happens? Your heart gets captivated. The whole thing flips from I'm going to love the Lord with all my strength to I'm going to, oh my goodness, God loves me and I'm overwhelmed by his grace. I'm going to love him with all my heart. And all that I've heard you say in the last you know, four years or five years of walking with you is Psalm 139, God, search my heart yeah. and know me and try my anxious thoughts. Your whole pursuit flipped from all my strength to all my heart. Talk about how that empowered you to live victoriously in ways you never had. Well, I think that um, when we start at the desire level, you're starting at the root. And for so long, I was addressing fruit. I was just uh, really focused in on the outward action and trying not to do the things that I shouldn't do and do the things that I should do. And when I'm looking at just that, I'm, yeah, it's like taking a weed whacker to weeds, but you're not ever addressing the root and it's just going to keep growing back. This Psalm 139, 23 and 24 has been revolutionary for me. And it was actually when I was in Brad Newberg's journey group that he led us to this scripture. And it became an, a theme for me to wake up every morning and pray it because that's where the battle really starts. It's where the seeds of death and the seeds of life get sown. And if I don't address the root cause, which is the desire level, like why am I desiring 
to look at at this or that? Why do I desire to want this thing, material possession? If I'm not getting to that level, all I'm doing is just suppressing um, the, you know, the outward action. And if I, if I just do that, then I'm on thin ice because at some point I could end up messing up and, you know, doing the thing that I don't want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So trying to get to the, the root cause, which is really at the desire level. And this, this radically changes your relationship with Jesus on a daily basis, that quiet time and that intimate time with God. It's no longer about just reading a set number of chapters or making sure that I complete my journal or making sure that I, you know, get through this study. It's no longer about the duty or the discipline of accomplishing a certain thing in my quiet time. Now it's about, am I giving God my heart? What's going on at the deepest level of desire in me? Am I anxious? Am I fearful? Am I uh, sur- struggling to surrender in trust? Uh, do I not want to spend time today? And I, I just don't, God, I don't want to spend time with you today. Am I wrestling with discontentment? Am I, am I fighting pride? Am I angry at somebody because I feel like they, I've been wronged? And if we skip over what's happening at the root level and we just try harder to do what we quote unquote should do, we start missing it and we start getting exhausted. And so, Brad, I'm going to throw this to you because you have been a man that I think is keenly aware of things happening in your heart. You have fought relentlessly to do what happens in Joel chapter two, where he says, where the Lord says, return to me with, with all your heart. And he says, rend your heart and not your garments. And this has been a staple of your life. Yeah. How do you, how do you come and just lay your heart at yeah. God's feet, and how has it impacted your victorious walk with Jesus? Yeah, I remember early on. So, quick context: I I had uh, found the Lord in 2016 at a pretty radical moment. Um, my my whole life was falling apart, and uh, and then I encountered God's grace and His love in a moment. The gospel transitioned from my head to my heart, and I had a tangible experience of the grace and love of God. That love is what transformed my life. Yeah. His love for me experienced in the way that he intended for me to experience it, which was not in my head, but in my heart, in my soul. It began to put me on this path by which um, how do I respond to that? How do I respond to this overwhelming, unconditional, perfect, unending love and grace? And so I began to go through this this journey of pursuing how do I honor you, God, in response to you loving me first? And I remember going through the scripture that you just referenced in Joel. I remember going through a study in Isaiah. And early on, I started to find these scriptures as the Holy Spirit was leading me to them. And Isaiah talks about the people of Israel, that they would, they would worship to God. They would, they would do all the, 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 festiv- the festivals. They would tithe. They would sacrifice. And, and God would say, You're, you know, your mouth speak of me, but your hearts are far from me. In Isaiah 29, 13, this idea that you could do all the church things. You could love me with your own strength. You could you can worship me. You can celebrate. You can go to church. You can you can tithe. You can even teach. You can preach. But if you're if your heart's far from me, I detest those things. Mm. And I'm like, whoa, God, shape me. Shape me right from the inside out. I remember getting into the Joel scripture. He says, Don't rend me your garments. I don't care about your sacrifices. Mm. I want your heart. It's what I died for. It's what I, it's what I gave you that you would give me in return. I gave you everything. I gave you my love. 
And so in that too, he started leading me to King David. I remember going to King David and, and, and Psalms 139 came out of that. And then I get to Psalms 51, right? You see in Psalms 51 is King David had just got, you know, just had committed adultery. He just was associated in, in, in a, 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 with murder. And his response in wailing to the Lord and asking for forgiveness, you know, may the bones that you broke cry out to you, O Lord. At the very end of Isaiah 51 and verse 17, he says this, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. All you desire, God, is a broken and contrite heart. That is a victorious heart. A confident heart is a heart that is broken. For that which breaks the Lord's heart and what breaks the Lord's heart ultimately is sin or separation from God. And so I wanted to pursue that which is righteous and holy and pure. And that only came through first and foremost fixating my life upon the love that died to set me free from that separation. Mm. The gospel became the center of everything. That's powerful. I love how you said right at the end, fixating my eyes on the love in, in this gospel that literally changed everything. I want, I want to, I want to hone in on that because here's my question. We, we've established the point that going from the heart is absolutely essential to living a victorious, confident Christian life. But how do we win in the heart? How do we do this? Like, let's get practical. How do we win? It's, and you just started to allude to it there, Brad. Uh, we set our eyes and we look upon this radical love that Jesus has for us. We, we become overwhelmed with that. We pray these prayers like Josh, like you do in Psalm 139. Search my heart, oh God, and know me and try my anxious thoughts. And if there's any grievous way in me, leave me in the way everlasting. Hey, but there's more to this. So how do we win in the heart? I'm curious how you would answer that. Go ahead. I'll take it. You, got, you want to go? I'll share with yeah. you just um, real briefly. This is a, a journey that the Lord has been taking me on as it relates to continuing to grow in his love for me. Amen. And the way that I do that is by understanding and growing in my knowledge of how much he saved me from. Amen. And I'll just, I, I, this is a long passage. But I'll just try and summarize in Luke chapter 7. It's this interaction between Jesus dining with Pharisees and then the sinful woman that's there that she is so overwhelmed to be in Jesus' presence that she is weeping. And her tears that are falling from her face are wetting his feet. And he, she's drying his feet with her hair. And she's she broke this alabaster flask of expensive oil and she anoints his head with it. And, uh, and she's just overwhelmed. Right. And, uh, and then verse 40 says, and Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one who owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one who forgave more. He said, you have answered rightly. You see, this woman, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair on her, of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. 
You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. That is a story of a woman who understood how much she has been forgiven. And how could she not return with love and adoration and devotion and obedience? And she's growing. And that's the part where God's showing me, man, you, as you're growing in your relationship with me, you are starting to understand how much you've been saved from, how much I pursued you and continue to pursue you and continually need to forgive your sin. And this is where it's like, he just continues to get more and more of my heart. And and that's interesting. It's like the closer you get to Jesus, who is the light, he he literally is the light of the world. And the closer you get to the light, the more exposed you become and the more you start to realize how just messed up you really are. And when that happens, you become overwhelmed with how much more grace God gave you than you thought he did at first. And so you become overwhelmed by the grace of God, which just creates this thankfulness and excitement and joy. And it it doesn't make you want to wrong God. It makes you want to lay your life down to say thank you. That's right. So that's a great point. That example uh, of the woman who has been forgiven much is actually an incredible one of obviously many uh, examples in the Bible that give us practical application. In the very presence of her Savior, of her Lord, what does she do? So if you want to talk about practical, here's a very practical response that we can learn from this woman. She recognizes who he is immediately. Do we? When we engage God through prayer, worship, and in his word, do we first and foremost recognize who he is and what he's done for us? Or do we find ourselves becoming casual? Mm-hmm. Practically, entering into a time of worship, a time of prayer, or a time of reading in his word, do we come in with submission? So say it in the positive. We should be coming to him in full reverence and submission, praising him that he didn't just die to save us, but he also died that we could have a heart relationship with him. In order to love our God with all of our heart, we first have to recognize that it is from his love that we can even enter into this endeavor. And then what is it that that would look like? And I was, we had lunch together, just Josh and I yesterday talking about this. I can barely speak the word gospel without completely shattering into pieces considering what he had done and finished on the cross for me. His love, his perfect love, if it doesn't cut us to our core, just the thought of it, how can we even move into loving God with all of our heart until we consider that? And it is from that perspective, the gospel of what he did, the finished work of the cross, the empty tomb that brings in the abundance of what it looks like for a heart to be moved by love. Hmm. And from that, we start moving into practical. So what is practical? Because Jesus is who he is and he did everything that he did, my response to him would be to give him my first, to give him my best, and to continually give him all of that. So what does that look like? You see it throughout scripture. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? That we should we should meditate on his word day and night. God talks about it as being a man of Psalms 1, 1 through 3, man. Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. 
who meditates on his word day and night. For he will be like a man planted by streams of living water, who will bear fruit in season, whose his leaves will not wither. All that they do will prosper. This is a man who delights in the law of the Lord. What does that extension mean practically? God said it to his disciples that, that, that if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Not only will you obey them, but you'll delight in them. Why? Because they're good. Mm. Mm. It's crazy how the world looks at commandments as things that we have to say no to. When God <laughs> says, I'm trying to command you to say yes to a life that is abundant and brings you closer to me into the fullness of what it means to have an abiding relationship with me. Mm. And so the practical step of loving God first and foremost with all your heart is to give him your first, give him your best and to remain there, abide in that posture and to be obedient to what it is he has given us as far of inst- as far as instruction in his word. And this is good. And this is good. And this is actually something that I wanted to talk about today. This is a perfect segue. First John five, the apostle John writes this. He says, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. That is such a powerful statement. His commandments are not burdensome. I'll tell you, for me, when I first became a Christian and I, I, I approached this love relationship with God from the outside in, you know, with all my strength first, and I would hear a, a commandment, like, like Jesus said, the first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. I would take that. And, and it would be burdensome in a sense. I would take it as like, ooh, I got to rise up. I got to do more. I got to be better. I got to try harder. And, and it would be like this athletic, you know, rise up eliteness in me that I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go after this a little bit more. It's like the kick in the pants to be a little bit stronger, a little bit more disciplined, a little bit better. But this is a radical statement. That he says to love the Lord your God. This is the love of God. Keep his commandments, but his commandments are not burdensome. How is that? And it's exactly what you guys are alluding to. The power source is not self. The power source is not trying harder. The power source is him. It's God. And it's, it's his love. And it's his overwhelming grace that when you experience that at a heart level, it becomes like this nitric oxide power source in you to just live and love God relentlessly, whatever he asks, whatever he desires, because you want to out of your heart because you've experienced his love First, the power source is different. So, Josh, I'm going to throw this to you because I know this has been a personal experience in your life. Talk to us about what it's like to live when the commandments are not burdensome. <laughs> freedom? Yeah. <laughs> in, in a simple word, it's, it's freedom. There's life. There's abundance. Like when, when I'm able to have this relationship with God that is truly an intimate one, I'm fighting for that, Gary. Honestly, I know what what legalism feels like. I know what a Pharisee heart feels like. I know what burden and heavy laden feels like. And that's what I am like going, God, I do not want to go back to that. So keep my heart. And the only way that I can is by allowing him to do the daily searching to, to, to find out those things that are slowly starting to grow. Because if I do not address them, I promise you, my soul will become weaker. My heart will become harder. 
And you know what will ultimately happen? My desire will start to wane. And that's when the red flags have to start like going off. The alarms, the alert should be blaring. And that's why I want to say, God, keep me at my heart and allow my ears and my my heart to be so in tune when I'm starting to wane in my desire for you. And I'm starting to desire other things, sleeping in, uh, watching YouTube videos of, of, you know, animals attacking other animals, like random stuff, you know, why, if I'm starting to desire those things more, God, would you show me what it is in my heart that's conflicting? There's something in there that's starting to grow. That's, that's disconnecting my delight in you. So that's where I'm really trying to stay and fight on my knees at a heart posture level to understand when that desire starts to wane. That's really good. So what I'm hearing in our discussion is it starts in the heart. The victorious Christian life, we have to win in the heart first. The order of that initial verse matters. Heart, soul, mind, strength. Right. So there's an offensive pursuit that I'm hearing in our discussion today. And that offensive pursuit is this intimacy with Jesus that that we're approaching every day, this non-negotiable, relentless pursuit of winning in the heart and chasing intimacy with Jesus, doing whatever it takes to be overwhelmed by his love so that I can get closer to him. That's the offensive pursuit. But what I'm hearing, Josh, that you're alluding to is that there's also a defensive side to this as well. We have offense and we have defense. And it makes me think of Proverbs chapter four, where Solomon writes above all else, and this is the NIV version, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything. Above all else, guard your heart. There's a defensive action. So we have offense chasing Jesus. We have defense, which is guard your heart. So Brad, talk to me. How do you guard your heart from these enemies that can absolutely cause you to slow drift and start to drift in your heart? Yeah. Amen. Well, first and foremost, the only way to guard your heart. So think of the heart uh, if we can, for a moment, as a a, a sponge, uh, the greatest way that we can guard our heart is to be very mindful of what it is that we're saturating our heart in, mm. because the best way we guard our heart is not exposing it to the things that um, that are not of God. And so, talking about guarding your heart and that your eyes are are a part of the things that we have to guard, that uh, what we gaze upon and where our eyes are set, it ultimately can make its way into our heart. Uh, we have to create these watchman-like habits in our life to where in a pursuit of a wholehearted love relationship with God, He becomes the fixation of our heart. How do we guard it? By fixating our eyes on Jesus Christ. It says uh, a couple times in Scripture that when we set our our heart on things, our mind on things above, he will keep us in perfect peace. Uh, this heart posture, this heart pursuit, uh, one way or the other, our heart will eat today. Are we eating on the bread of life? Are we eating on uh, God and his Holy Spirit, the living water? Are we drinking of him? Because the opposite of not proactively and intentionally seeking out a heart who's dining with the king and, and, and drinking from his living water will be a heart that will dine and drink of, of the world. Absence of pursuing God, absence of a heart movement towards God, a stagnant heart towards God is a heart that moves closer and closer to the world. And so this is an active calling, one in which we have to work at, pursue each and every day. 
as I start to think about the very lineage of the scripture in, in, in Mark 12 about love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. When we get to soul, the soul is the battleground between the flesh and the heart. And whatever wins between the flesh and the heart, the soul will be defined by. Why is heart before soul? Is because when we love God with all of our heart, the soul will become overcome by the heart, which is filled by Christ when he's the one who is our pursuit of our heart. And then when the soul is one, now in the opposite of that, when the soul is not one by the heart, but we continue to feed the flesh, which oftentimes starts in the mind as that which we meditate on and that which we place our mind towards starts to overcome the, the, the effort that is made by the heart. Then the soul will start to be compromised by that which we think about and that which we place our mind on. And so you see that if we work it backwards, I'm going to I'm going to love the Lord, my God, with all my strength. Then I'm going to think the things I need to think. Oftentimes when we say we're going to think good things and we're not, I'm not going to think this. I'm not going to think this. The very thing we say we're not going to do or not going to think becomes the very thing we think about and do because we're trying to muster up our strength of what we shouldn't do rather than to focus on the one thing. Jesus Christ is love for me. And how should I respond to such a love? When it comes out of a heart response to his heart for us, his love for us, and we focus our life to want to just simply say, thank you. A a heart that reflects that song in gratitude that says, all I have for my king is a hallelujah. And then we live a life of that posture. Then the soul becomes a byproduct of a saturated heart in Christ. And then when a soul the very emotions and the the core of of a person's movement in life is defined by the heart, then their mind is what it's renewed. Hmm. It's renewed by a soul that's been saturated by a heart compelled to love their King in response to his love first. Hmm. And then when the mind is one by the love of Christ through the heart, through the soul to the mind, then guess what? Welcome to a victorious, confident life of vic of victory in strength, not of man. It is crazy. The truth when it's revealed that it is in our weakness that his strength is made perfect. It would cause us to not even want to step into a reverse approach to this commandment, the greatest commandment, but yet we are by a worldly conditioning in sports and life and business, we try to say, I need to muster, I need to pull myself up by the bootstraps. And God says, No recognize you can do nothing. You have nothing apart from my love and what I've accomplished from you on the cross and move from there towards the strength that only I can give you. And it goes through the soul, through the mind to the final action, which is ultimately a life lived victorious as we live out in God's strength, his commission as ambassadors for his ministry of reconciliation to a lost and broken world. <laughs> Dude, I love this. That is such a great nugget to think about. Man, that is so well said. The soul is the battleground. I love that. So well said. Uh, and, and it brings me to this. So as we wrap this up, I got two verses and then I'm going to throw it back to you guys to give your final thoughts and then and then we're going to be done. This is something that the Apostle Paul wrote. The love of Christ, the Apostle Paul says, controls us. Or another version says, compels us. It doesn't say my love for Jesus compels me or my love for Jesus controls me. He says the love of Christ controls or compels us because we've concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all have died. 
And he died that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Christ, who for their sake died and was raised. What a powerful point. One of the toughest, most confident, victorious men ever to walk the face of the planet. The Apostle Paul was as resilient and as mentally tough and as strong and victorious as anyone. And when I, when I think about the stuff that he went through, the things he persevered, the fact that he was stoned almost to death, and yet he gets up and runs right back into the city and keeps sharing Jesus. He continues to do all things for the sake of the gospel through all of the adversity that he faced. This man was confident, victorious. He was incredibly strong, mentally tough, resilient. And this is what he says, the love of Christ controls me. And my final verse is this, because I think if we can grab this and win in the heart first, I I don't even think we realize the things that God will and can do with our life. He says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, my favorite verse in the entire Bible, the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the entire earth that he might show himself strong to those whose heart is completely his. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine if the Lord himself who's looking showed himself strong to you. And what's what's the, the thing that is th- that he's looking for? A heart that is completely his. And so if we win in the heart, we now have God showing himself strong to us. Can you imagine the things that God can do with a surrendered heart like that? Absolutely incredible. So guys, I'm going to throw it to you to close things up. What encouragement would you have for every listener on here about living a victorious, confident Christian life? I'll go, uh, on, uh, Brad, here on, on just my final thoughts. Um, it's so tempting to read that verse in 1 John 5, where it talks about that his commandments are not burdensome, and then to somehow not understand it because there's not suffering in the calling of obedience to Christ. Part of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, it will require some form of suffering. And so I would say this, do we understand what suffering means? Because in this pursuit to obey the great commandment, um, there will be suffering. And Jesus, in Hebrews 5, 17, this has become a life verse for me. Um, Josh reminded me just through our fellowship to continue into nine. But I'm going to read these verses and then give you my final thought. In the days of Jesus's life, his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. By the way, if you want a practical example of loving the, the God, the father, us to be would be love the Lord with all of our heart. Do we come to him with prayers of supplications and loud cries and tears, knowing that he alone, Jesus is the one who can save us? Well, Jesus showed us that that's what he did to the father. How do we approach the father? But the, the verse continues on and says he did so to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of one reason, his reverent submission to the father. Are we reverently submitted to God with hearts rendered broken and contrite hearts as Joel and King David and Isaiah said, are we rendered before God? And then it says this, and this is the part that I want to land on as we want to live victorious and confident lives. And it says this, although he was son, he learned obedience. Now, let me pause there for a second. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. The greatest of commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Jesus, Jesus learned obedience. How? Through what he suffered and being made perfect. 
He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. How do we suffer without being burdened? We must know what suffering means. Suffering in itself in the root language is a word called pascho. And it means to be affected or have been affected, to feel, have a sensible experience, to undergo. Ultimately, it is to experience Christ. It's not suffering in the way the world would define it as a bad thing. To suffer means that I am getting to undergo the very calling and purpose of my life to experience a life with Christ. When Jesus suffered, he was experiencing life here on earth with the Father. And so if we want to endure persevere, hoopamone, live a victorious, confident life, then let us celebrate, as James says, when suffering comes, may we count it a blessing. Because the suffering means we're experiencing life as God intended it, to be weak in self, dependent upon Him. Suffering according to the loss considers suffering at a burden because of what they may lose, but suffering to the believer is Christ. And so may we choose to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. May we choose to be obedient and may we learn that obedience through suffering, through experiencing that it is when we are decreased and he is increased that we find life as it was intended, radically dependent upon him. Amen. Josh, final thoughts? I'll close with uh, with the scripture that, that Paul prayed over the the church in Ephesus, and it's a it's a prayer for those that might be listening who are saying, "Man, what? How? Like, what what must I do? I don't know if I've truly experienced this grace that we're talking about. I don't know if I if I truly know this this love that they're talking about that's going to compel me." Um, man, this is exactly what Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter three, and he says that this is going to be his prayer for these people that that God would do a spiritual work right now and that he would help them help you who is listening. Verse 17, that you would know in your inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the, uh, the saints what is the width and the length the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is my prayer. This is our prayer that whoever is listening, that God through his power, through his spirit would strengthen your inner man to know the height and the depth, the width and the length of Christ's love for you. And just by faith, by grace, through faith, accept it. Accept this grace, this free gift that is given by what Jesus has already accomplished on the cross. And then through an empty grave, you can live this victorious life by saying, God, I need you. I want to surrender it to you. I want to accept this love that you have given, that you have paid the ultimate price for mm-hmm. to have my heart. So that would be my closing word. Come on. And and friends who are listening, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, uh, I invite you into an intimate relationship with Jesus. He died on a cross. He took our sin upon himself. And as his blood was shed, literally that blood paid the sin debt for all of mankind. And anyone who would confess him as Lord of their life and believe in their heart that he was raised from the dead, they will be saved. 
The Lord says that anyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And so that opportunity is there for you. And if we can help you in any way, take that step. I would love uh, to personally make that phone call with you and talk with you through that step. And so please reach out. Uh, You can find us at pureencouragement.org and you can reach out to us on our contact page there. But friends, what an incredible day. Men, thank you so much for joining me today. And I am built up. I'm inspired. I am walking out of this more confident and victorious and just hungering to give God all of my heart. And so, men, thank you for your time today. And friends, if you have been blessed by our podcast today, please consider subscribing or sharing it with a friend. And as always, keep speaking life to those in your life. You have no idea the impact you can make when you choose to speak life to someone's soul. God bless. Hey friends, I want to invite you to something incredibly exciting within the Pure Encouragement Ministry. If you are a coach or you know a coach and they could use soul care, we want to invite you to some of our coaches' soul care groups that have launched. We meet currently on Tuesday mornings, Wednesday mornings, and Wednesdays at lunch, and we are a group of coaches that are chasing intimacy with Christ, dealing with the hindrances that keep us at a distance from the Lord in an effort to do soul care and empower our coaches to be eternity coaches, men who compete with excellence, but impact lives for eternity. Currently, we only have men's groups. So please reach out to me at the link below in the show notes. I would love to get you or a coach that you know plugged in to our coaches soul care groups.